Hello and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch films, allegedly films, from the cinematic canon. I'm not sure if that applies today. Uh, today's film is Sympathy for the Devil by Jean-Luc Godard, I guess starring the Rolling Stones. And I'm joined by Cameron Tuttle. Hello, Juzo. How are you doing? I'm a little nervous to be doing this, but uh, that, that was for uh, me. that was a very central opening to the to the uh, <laughs> to the show. Want me to do it again? I don't know. It was great. No, I I loved it. Um, yeah, we watched uh, Sympathy for the Devil, which is neither um, uh, really all that French nor in the cinematic canon. And I, I don't. I, there's no French spoken in this film. Actually, yeah, I don't think there is. Um, but. It's very. I would say. Well, we could get into it, but first, how are you doing? What's what's going on? It's been a while since you've been on the show. Yeah, I guess I was last year on the Irishman episode. I've just been down here in Royal Grande doing very little other than watching movies. Uh, what have you been watching this week, Cameron? Yeah, um, I've been watching Better Call Saul. Uh, I've kind of been going through. I I know you know a couple of weeks ago I was saying I went through Breaking Bad, uh, mm-hmm. so I I figured why not I'll go through Better Call Saul. So I watched a couple episodes um, this week. I I just finished seasons one and two. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's it's been fun. I I forget I I didn't really like the first season when I first watched it, um, but. I kind of forgot how how good it actually is. It's just a little bit of a slow burn, I would say, um, in the beginning. I felt like it kicked into gear once um, Mike gets kind of centrally involved. I remember there's a great episode with him in that one, but... Yeah. Um yeah, and it kind of it kind of does revolve like Mike becomes more and more of a, a main character, I would say, as mm-hmm. the as the series goes along. Um but I do I really like Kim and I, I like sort of um his relationship with Chuck, which I always found like very frustrating, but also heartwarming, you know, in mm-hmm. some ways. I mean, I guess maybe not heartwarming, but um very very much like you know, he wants to do what's best for for chuck and chuck is kind of turning his his nose up at jimmy but you know it's a great relationship and i always surprised me when i saw it because the only thing i knew that actor who played the brother from was from uh this is spinal tap i always just thought of him as christopher guest's uh fellow front man and he's he's a wonderful dramatic actor yeah i actually haven't seen this is spinal tap oh you haven't no i haven't very good movie back when rob reiner was basically couldn't miss as opposed to <laughs> couldn't not miss um let's see well what should i talk about what i watched in just the last week yeah sure i guess, I guess obviously not what i watched since i last was on the show yeah um, that would be a long list i'm sure in addition to the movie we're talking about this is a rather dense week i think i saw eight movies in the intervening uh, last seven days uh i watched barton fink by the coen brothers which is for our uh our film club. Have you ever seen that, Cameron? No, I haven't. Is it good? I think it's like one of their best movies. Very surreal, very <laughs> unsettling. My dad said it gave him a stomachache, so <laughs> I think it'd be a great candidate for later on this show. Mm, um, I watched Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which is a film from last year, which is about two girl, a girl who goes from Pennsylvania to New York uh, to get an abortion, and it's very, very good movie. Um, I watched Mank again. Uh, giving it another chance for some reason. Um, I don't know why. I just put it on with my grandma and I, she fell asleep four times. And I think that speaks to my opinion of the movie because yeah. boy, is it, 
it's it's just not super great. It's just it's it really and it really dies in the last third. Like it, it does. Really, it definitely does. It really and it's it's a bad ending. Weird from Fincher, man. Anyway, well, we already did a podcast about that. Um, I watched the new Errol Morris movie, which is about the wife of Timothy Leary, who is like an LSD expert and um, a pretty interesting documentary about that sort of era and her perception of her life. Um, I watched Playtime, which was for your to listen to your podcast, which kind of blew my mind, actually. I think yeah. I told you a few days ago that it was um, one of the most original, unique movies I've seen in a long time. And it totally broke the rules of all of what I normally like about movies. There's no main totally. character, no main, no close-ups, just kind of a, you know, sort of plotless movie. But uh, just the virtuosity on display was enough that I thought it was pretty great. Um, geez. Uh, I watched Dirty Pretty Things, which is uh, a Stephen Frears movie uh, from the early 2000s. I think I rented it because Audrey Tattoo is in it, who's an Amelie, and it's a very good movie. Um, Umberto D. I watched for Mixed Class, uh, which is for Italian neorealist movie. And then I saw a movie called Possessor yesterday, which is also from 2020. And I'd be very curious what you think of this one. It's a very, very disturbing um, horror movie, sort of lo-fi science fiction. Um, it's by the son of... Uh, David Cronenberg, Brandon Cronenberg. Mm, yeah. It's very, very, it's a second movie. It's a very, very assured, um, he has a very assured hand. It does, it, it, it feels very confident. And I, I'm sort of mixed on certain things about the script, but it, it's a brilliantly, it's a brilliant idea for a movie mm -hmm. about a woman basically who, who takes control of other people's bodies to commit like assassinations basically. And, um, and followed through with some really interesting filmmaking. I, I'd be very curious to talk to you about that at some point. Mm. Um, anyway, that's my long list of movies. Yeah, that's. I feel lazy compared to to what you've been well, watching. I I yeah, haven't I think watched this is anything. The epitome of laziness to be to spend your whole week watching <laughs> eight movies. But, I've I've watched yeah. a I've watched a show that I've already watched. So that's my <laughs> that's my contribution to uh to this to this conversation. Well, Again. Yeah. This is Cinema Spectator. Hey, I was going to plug the show. Oh, you were going to plug the show, <laughs> but this is but I'm being Isaac today and you're being Cameron because you're the expert. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's flipped <laughs> at that point. This is Cinema Spectator. You could support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Get an exclusive commentary track each month for only a dollar. You can give us... Uh, you can also give us your questions right on air and uh, claim the ability to vote on films. You guys read so many questions. Well, yeah, we get we any don't questions this week, Cameron. We don't get any questions. That's the problem. Uh, Juza, do you have any questions for the show? Hmm. You are no, a patron. Really. I don't. Have, I don't know. I don't know what to ask you guys. I know. Yeah, that's why I feel like all of our patrons have the same <laughs> feeling. If I think of something, but. Well, if you don't have any dollars, it's all good. We would vastly appreciate a rating on iTunes. Um, we do mm, read reviews, typically, uh, when when there's a new one. Also, tell your friends and family. That's how the show grows. I literally um, couldn't give a rating on iTunes if you held a gun to my head. Because you... Uh, all this my is iTunes something, programs have completely crashed. <laughs> this is something about Juza that I don't know if many people know. Uh, he's still rocking an iPhone 4, which is like, you know... 4S. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it, it matters. Yeah, well, um, 
yeah the uh it's it's sometimes it's a it's a struggle usually it's not a struggle to get in contact with him but sometimes it's a struggle for uh you know to well, send it just him means links I can't or, use any applications or anything. Uh, have him get anywhere on Google Maps or yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, um, let's talk about this movie. I really, really, it's this is a movie that has cemented my idea that Jean Luc Godard is like the laziest filmmaker in the world. It's 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 kind of incredible. You didn't like it, Cameron? I'm shocked. I um. <laughs> The thing is, like, I was completely split because everything that was um, interesting about the movie had nothing to do with uh, what Godard was doing. (laughs) So despite all of Godard's efforts, I still liked half of the movie. Um, (laughs) Right. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, it's like with Frederick Wiseman, where often it's just like what you the luck of what you capture. And in this case, he's capturing like the creation of one of the most the greatest songs of the 20th century. Yeah. So just inherently that's interesting. I guess you, do you want to kind of explain a little bit about the movie before? I guess so. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll try. Um, uh, Sympathy for the devil devil is a documentary ish. Um, it is sort of half split between half split between documentary and also sort of a, an experimental, uh, advertisement for a certain ideology that Godard loves, um, as well as just other uh, random critiques of, of, you know, different things. It's, it's kind of a, a political mishmash, I would say. Um, but yeah, for the most part, or for half the movie, it is a documentary following the rehearsal and recording of Sympathy for the Devil, the, uh, the song um, by the Rolling Stones. And the other half is kind of little vignettes about, uh, well, really nothing at all. So, um, it's uh, that's, guess, that's kind of mostly? my explanation. Like, like readings of manifestos. They're they're mostly. It's very hard to explain this. But basically, <laughs> the movie the movie starts and you get a basically a unbroken shot of Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, all the boys in the studio, nineteen sixty eight or seven. Sixty eight. Yeah. Just working on the song it's like an early version of sympathy for the devil and the camera is gliding around i'm not sure exactly what it's on cameron's the expert in that field but it's it just sort of floats around the studio and focuses on things and moves around and you get a sense of all all the different uh, people playing their different instruments and whatnot um and then from there it cuts to let's see what it oh yeah it goes to um, there's a there's a young woman who's featured throughout the movie who is, I believe is Anne I don't know how to pronounce her name it's like Wiazemski or something I'm sure it's pronounced differently but it's it's Godard's girlfriend who is the um, the main character of of Godard Montemore she wrote the memoir about what it was like to be the girlfriend of Godard during the late 60s and she's I guess spray painting little uh, what I can only call I guess unclever puns <laughs> yeah. uh, in various places in uh, what I, I presume is uh, wherever. Where, is it London? I don't know where they're filming. I think but, they're filming in London. Yes, and and they, you know, little things where it's like it's like uh, she writes marks, you know, down, and then it says she writes sex using the X, or she writes. Uh, well, one was just USA equals. 
and then she drew a swastika and it was just on a car and i'm very <laughs> yeah. curious like what i mean not that this matters and this is probably like one of my most like conservative opinions but i think like people who who are uh, graffitiists should be f***ing shot and um, oh i shouldn't have cursed there but um the like I don't. It just seems like they're just running around. At one point, she, she's writing uh, Freud something in front of a, someone's house, and some guy just comes out and kind of looks and is yeah, sort it's, of she's writing Freudocracy. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is this kind of thing we're dealing with in these segments, and then and then so there's a look interstitials that happen, and then in addition to that, there are these extended scenes also filmed in very long gliding uh, one takes where people are captured reading various manifestos there's there's a, a group of of black guys they're not american i'm not sure where they're from but they they seem to be portraying black panthers and they're reading manifestos from like eldridge cleaver and uh i can't remember. they don't actually identify the manifestos and then as they're doing that they're throwing around guns and, and they're yelling um, yelling things and i think and they kidnap all... people at some point <laughs> no no they kidnap a group of yeah, some white ladies they kidnap and then shoot yeah. And um, and then then there's also a narrator throughout the whole thing reading some nonsensical uh, <laughs> thing in the background. Very strange film, to say the least. Um, and I don't know, Cameron, it sounds like you dislike this film greatly. Well, I don't know. But part of me is like is like, OK, he I, I feel like this this film is trying so hard to be um, something that. Uh, that is so much less interesting than than like what it actually is um, or what it could have been you know? yeah what it could have been yeah exactly i mean like like if it was just like the studio tapes from this you know this period you know shot by by jean-luc godard or even you know someone else um in in this era like that that sounds like the best thing ever basically you know like like them if you release the, the b-roll of of them filming sympathy for the devil you've basically an automatic good movie on your hands you yeah don't even exactly. need to touch it yeah it's automatically interesting even if you're not into the stones i think it's just interesting to see the construction of a song and the evolution of, of the instrumentation yeah and what i what i found most interesting about sort of the vignette um element of it was you know they would they would go through sort of a long unbroken sequence of them practicing or them you know playing a take and and kind of messing it up and then it would break to one of these really boring vignettes and then when you would come back to the the stones they would they would it would have like evolved in one part or another you know it mm -hmm. would have it it gets more and more of the trappings of of the original song um and apparently he's he was very upset that they added the the full song in the end um yeah there, there's multiple versions of the movie and the one that we found the one that's available is the producer's cut where they put the song the, like the final version of the song over the end of the movie and as much as I we like to make fun of Godard, I actually think I kind of agree with him in that part. Like, I think it doesn't really work to have that song over because that's one of the only things I liked about it was was that kind of arc where you see the song completed and then at the end it's like kind of they're working on another song. I'm not sure what's. Do you know what song that was? Um, it sounded like uh, the Midnight Rambler. Uh, yeah, but I I wasn't I wasn't quite sure. You're seeing like the next song they're working on in in its infancy, and that feels like more of a, a kind of a 
circular, a nice kind of circular ending to the movie. And also very low key. It's just them hanging out and the camera kind of shows. I love also how the camera shows other people just hanging out in the yeah. studio. There's that really cool looking girl with her fedora. And <laughs> there's that little, there's a tiny person sitting up in the corner. I don't even know what she's doing, but. Um, well, and I like the the camera kind of floats. I'm not sure what he what he was using. It might have been either the crane um, that is, is shown at the end or mm-hmm. um, something else. So the, you know, it is a studio, so I'm sure they could they might be able to get a crane in there, but I, I don't know if he was, uh, mm. you know, willing to or not. Uh, the, I guess that's, you know, that's up to his, his laziness on that it's, day. It's but, a smooth thing, though. I mean, it's, but it, yeah, it, no, it and looks it, great, it kind of, and it's beautifully restored, too. It, it cranes up and sort of, uh, you know, goes around, and, and often it's like walking around, the camera's like going around different features of the studio, you know, mm-hmm. and you, behind the... Um, the soundproofing baffles and whatnot. Um, and so uh, like all of that stuff is, is amazing looking. Um, and again, like I, I was really just upset basically every time they, <laughs> they cut every away from the studio. Yeah. Because, because everything else is, is so drab and boring. Like I, I really found, I found basically everything except for the studio portions to be uninteresting. Like, <laughs> like genuinely. Oh, no, I mean, it, it, it sucks. I mean, to just be blunt, it, the other stuff is is absolute garbage. But having said that, to sort of play not devil's advocate, but but maybe give Godard somewhat of the benefit of the doubt, sympathy that he, for the devil. Cameron, <laughs> you should be imprisoned for your puns. Um, the, the like, what is what 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 is what do you think he's trying to achieve with those scenes, and? I mean, because we're just inclined to like roll our eyes because it's like people reading. Well, they're reading different things. Like they're reading um, left wing philosophy, and they're reading like the, the the Black Panthers are reading stuff about how how black women are garbage <laughs> and white women are really great, and 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 then they shoot all the white women, and it. And then there's one section where they're in a in a it's like a comic book slash yeah. pornography store, and and there's a guy reading from uh, Mein Kampf. And uh, and then they're going around uh, doing Hitler salutes, and it feels just like kind of. I mean, my gut reaction to it is just it just feels very surface provocation. It doesn't feel like it's really saying anything, and if it is saying anything, it's not doing it in an interesting way. Like yeah, I'm, you could analyze all these scenes. I think, um, I don't know. I mean, it's so vague you could just kind of read whatever you want into them. <laughs> um, but I think it just as. I have no problem with with f- film exploring, you know, uh, left wing ideology. Like this is not a bad thing, but but to do so just with people reading manifestos is about the least interesting way you could do it. So th- th- that's that's what I mean. How it's 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 a just such a lazy film because, um, you know, the the portions that are interesting are totally not due to. To, to Godard, right? You know, so watching watching the Stones is very interesting because they're talented. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're yeah. very much the the center of attention in those sequences. And then, mm-hmm. you know, but everything everything that's not um, that that's not the Rolling Stones. You know, it's like he's trying to be clever, but the only way that he can he could sort of get his point across is by quoting other people, uh, which I I just find so like um, so strange. Like he. You you think you'd think for someone who is kind of um, I don't know I like 
he has an artistic streak in in him you know he has he's got something that he did that, at some point yeah you know he has he has something that is akin to you know uh, to to an artist but but he really <laughs> he really boils it down to just like the most like lazy um trite nonsense like you know like like when she's when she's going around graffitiing things you know she's like it's like mal and art you know and you're like <laughs> you're like this is just so this stupid. is complete nonsense, so you know. Stupid. And like, and then she, what? What's that? What's that whole? I I guess before we go into the things that I liked about the vignettes, um, we should uh-huh. just conclude our our uh, tearing down of these <laughs> of these you know these dumb things. But there was that there was that sequence in the forest which I just found so um, like it was like nails on a chalkboard. It was so boring. Oh, it was like mind numbing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's what is she um some eve democracy that's that's what they call her um and she's you know she's going back and forth and she's saying yes and no to to all these questions like uh, for for, it was like the longest sequence in the in the film like it was completely uh it was like it it almost put me to sleep i was so bored during this whole sequence and and it's just like how do you screw that up you have like So the most amazing footage you could possibly capture of the last 50 years. Exactly. And this is just, what I mean. That's what you do. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know. Th- this is what I mean where I'm like, I'm like, why is this? Why is this so, so boring and so bad? Like, how could, how could we t- take our, our eyes away from the most interesting things that are happening uh, and focus on just this trite, absolute nonsense? You know, like there's, there's something so, um, it's almost like insulting about this these parts of the movie because i'm like i'm like are we tra- are we like either he thinks we're dumb or we're we're getting like played right now like that's that's how i felt about about these sequences yeah sometimes i just wonder like is he just trolling because he does all these things basically since that period in from that period until now until his most recent movie he's he's taken he he loves doing this thing where he he layers different voices together he he likes having dialogue that's either incoherent or it's untranslated um he he uses music and he cu- he throws it in randomly and he cuts it out and it just sounds horrible and it sort of feels it feels sort of like an empty provocation to me. It feels like, oh, you know, like I'm just gonna make it as ugly as possible. Mm. And it's like the joke is on you for not liking it. Like you don't you just don't understand it. And I mean, I guess maybe I don't, but I don't feel like there is what I feel like if it was to be understood, there's not much to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's why it's so sad because like like again. Like parts of it are are so very interesting and so very cool, mm-hmm. um, and and it makes me really frustrated that that he had to be the one to direct this movie. You know what I mean? Like, well, like he was he was the one who was kind of no. It's um, I mean it's a shame it's a shame he didn't it's a shame he didn't like die right after filming <laughs> the footage of the stones and then like some like with like that Amazing Grace the Aretha movie where just someone else edits it. Because even if it was just just some nobody cutting it together, you, 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 again, you can't miss with footage of the filming of Sympathy, the recording of Sympathy for the Devil. And um, I was also thinking about 
just just the the evolution between because you guys watched Breathless for your first episode, I believe, right? Yeah. And I feel like as even though that's not a movie I really like or think is particularly good, that movie to me feels much more alive. It feels much more interesting. Um I don't know. There's more like spontaneity to mm-hmm. his ideas and it doesn't feel like he just thinks of one th- like like the thing with Eve democracy walking around the forest and saying yes or no to all these political questions. It feels like he just he has one idea. It's not even a particularly good one. <laughs> and with Breathless, it feels like in every scene he, he he'll do something, even if it's stupid or even if it doesn't really like work, quote unquote. It's interesting. And it's, you know, also was never done before. Um and I would say the same thing about like my life to live and some of those other movies from that period. Um, but this, it feels like the weekend. I remember thinking was somewhat interesting. Weekend has a similar style with the gliding camera. That was 67. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen La Chinoise or whatever it's called. Um, but it feels like that La Chinoise and this kind of were like him solidifying into the kind of impenetrable, unadventurous kind of filmmaking. He's, seems to have engaged in for the past 50 plus years. Yeah, no, I it, I, 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 I think what you're saying about Breathless is interesting, although thinking about watching it again, I was, you know, it, it reminded, this movie actually reminded me of how, um, you know, in Bre- with Breathless, he, he wasn't willing to like take out scenes that he, uh, he didn't like, you know, so he, he mm-hmm. just like, he just cut around things. He just like chopped, mm-hmm. chopped parts of it, you know? And so like, for me, that's, that's a little bit of the same attitude, I guess. He, he has a very similar, I guess that's kind of who he is. That's his personality. It's just sort of this un, unwilling to bend uh, to. No, he's very unapologetic. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know I, if I would say I respect that. I mean, I, I sort of, I would in theory, but it's just like, I don't know, when this is the product of it, I don't know. It's, it's not much respect. It's extremely disappointing, I would say, um, because the, I actually had kind of high hopes for this movie, uh, personally. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big Rolling Stones fan. I, I really enjoy yeah, the Rolling Stones. Um, yeah, you know, I. this is something that is, like you said, unmissable you know or it should be it's it's mm-hmm. completely you know you're watching the creation of of some incredible art happen on screen you know you're watching these these people go through the creation and evolution in in songwriting and i don't know I, almost if this was like a 40 minute long it it feels like he he went there that day and he was like oh shoot we didn't we didn't get enough footage which i almost don't believe you know but like like he didn't he didn't want to do like interviews or something or you know he was like he was he just like this is what i mean he's so lazy like he didn't, <laughs> he didn't no, no, i mean i i mean i i can't speak to his literal laziness but i do i know for a fact that he just made up all that stuff like the cinematographer or someone has talked about how they just ran around the city and he he just made stuff up, made these little scenarios up on the fly. It was completely <laughs> none of it was planned. He's like a film student. This is it's like the most not even a good one. I it's mean, like yeah. the the most cringeworthy. Uh, like it's it's terrible. Like I just I can't believe that this. No, I mean the political the message films I saw at like SF State were honestly 
done with more intelligence to this movie. <laughs> um, I don't really know if this is a is. I don't know if he's really intending it as a message film though, because I don't think he's like I don't think he he's um, trying to get us to identify with Mein Kampf for at least I hope not. Well, uh, I would I, say so that that sequence I would say. I don't know if it has more depth necessarily, but it, I would say the point, presumably, of that sequence, I don't know. I was thinking about it as as a little bit almost reactionary in that he was, you know, he's criticizing a certain um, modern sort of uh, pop entertainment or sort of this cultural, mm. um you know, little vignette, right. um, and and equating it with with sort of fascism, fascism. Or, or, yeah. or Nazism. So footage, uh, footage of yeah, because there's footage as the guy is roaming the room. You see all these like naked women on the wall and all this sort of thing, and which is which is I kind of know. funny because I, I a pretty film school analogy, I have to say. But I, I yeah, but I also find it very strange as like someone who is, um. You know, like like to me, this this is like the the nineteen sixty eight equivalent of like the no fap movement. You know what I mean? Like this is this is like the it's like it's like very reactionary in in some ways. You know, like this he's being like ah the Playboy is is making us fascist. You know, like I don't know what he's. I don't know. To yeah, say. that's that's weird if that's the case. I can't really say if that's really what he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure, but you know, and he's say, you know, he's saying there are, there are hidden messages in in, uh, in comic books. And we're feeding it to our children and whatnot. You know, the fla- the fascist, um, the the fascist yeah, like Tipper Gore or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But this this is what I mean. Is like it's a little bit. It's pretty. It feels pretty reactionary that sequence, which is why I kind of that sequence of all of them I found most engaging. At least <laughs> you know it wasn't very. Um, smart necessarily, but I found it to be most um, like I was. I was at least like entertained while it was happening. I mean, some of the stuff—it's just so strange and so like you're just struggling to like figure out what he's even talking about. It sort of becomes compelling in a weird sort of way, you know. <laughs> I didn't find the th- the whole. I didn't find the movie to be like torturous the way like the image book was, but um, I don't know. You know, I texted my friend Art, who was who was around at that time, and he said he couldn't agree more with the political polemics. And he said, even in the Bay Area, uh, you never saw or heard anything as stupid as that, like watching a comic book version of how political movements work. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's so it's so frustrating. Like he, this is why you know we were we were. Spoiler alert! I guess we were supposed to watch, um, uh, we were supposed to watch Godard Montemore this week. Me and Isaac, um, oh. and one of the reasons why I wanted to watch that rather than a Godard movie is because I think it captures the essence of how Godard was so juvenile, but also, you know, confident. He was like dumb and confident, so like the worst of the worst <laughs> of all worlds. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, and I th- I think that. That movie does a good job of of kind of laying into him in a way uh, during this time period specifically because he, you know, he had this almost like ten year period of, of basically just 
making the most nonsensical political movies um mm-hmm. that are you know <laughs> like like if he was to read i think he does in fact read mao's red book in lashinawaz right he just it just like there maybe i don't know I, I haven't seen it but you know so i don't know it's like the weakest and laziest political commentary um mixed with the the greatness of watching you know, actual art happened on screen, regardless mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. whether or not Godard is <laughs> meaning to make it, which is Did you, which did is you notice that, that also, because I, 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 I almost would, there's so many of these things of these little vignettes happening where, I don't know about you, but I kept, I kept feeling like, stop the camera. I'm interested in this interact. Like, yes, like when that yes. guy came out and she's spray painting in front of his house, and he, his reaction isn't anger. His reaction is is like he's like bemused and kind of very friendly looking. And then he just cuts away. And to me, I was looking at that and thinking like, wow, I, I would have been interested to see that interaction or that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, there are little moments, you know, in the comic book store where he, he, you know, he passes over people who look like there's one young woman who looked at who's at the cashier who looked like she just worked there. And I was like. Wow, then she looks kind of interesting. I wonder what her story is, or or the um, what, there's there's one part where where the two of the Black Panthers, one guy is is reading a manifesto to the other guy, and then the other guy is repeating it into <laughs> yeah. the voice recorder. And at one point, the guy who's reading into the recorder, it almost looks like he starts like laughing. It almost looks like he is like he, yes, I notice. Like, I notice so yeah. ridiculous, and and there's sort of a self awareness to it. And I like I wonder who those those guys are. They sound like they're. Do they sound kind of like like, um, I don't know, like, like from the West Indies sort of. Yeah, uh, maybe or dialect. I'm, I, I'm not really. They sounded a little bit British, like they had a slightly British accent, but it could have been the West Indies or yeah, something wherever like they that. were. You know, they're going around reading like interviewing the guy and. I don't really know if that guy was really coming up with those answers or that was scripted or what that was. Um, that was one of those things where it felt like, uh, you know, if those are authentic answers, that's kind of interesting where he's being asked about the Black Panther movement. But um, I don't know. It all just feels very, most of it just feels very artificial. And then when they're just like throwing the guns around and, oh, they kill the white women. It just feels very, I mean, I'm not even going to, like sit here and try to be offended by it because it's so stupid that it's not even worth getting angry about. But yeah. but you could imagine if if some you know people saw that today, I think some people would be <laughs> a little upset by that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Frankly, who cares? Yeah. Um. Yet you know another thing that made me really upset about the making of this movie too. Apparently, <laughs> um. One of Godard's lights caught on fire and almost burned the. Uh, it started a major fire in the studio, so he almost killed the Rolling Stones and this song. Um, and he's. It said Godard kept his cameras rolling, and it didn't even didn't even make it into the film. Didn't even wow. make it. it Interesting. It, just, it makes me so upset. Like that. <laughs> I, I felt like even though even as interesting as because uh, of course the seeing them record is the most interesting part but i felt like he even fumbles that a little bit like he doesn't not like he ruins it but i I feel i don't know just having these sort of long takes but more importantly it feels like i'm sure he got it's like he he only shows the part where they're recording and not where they're talking to each other and he doesn't 
he plays like sometimes when they're talking over each other, he plays that ridiculous narrator doing yeah. thing. And I'm like, to me, there's nothing. The only thing more interesting than seeing the demo versions of Sympathy for the Devil in like 35 millimeter is seeing what are, what is Mick Jagger saying to Keith Richards about how to like change the instrumentation. I mean, yeah, exactly. That is, that is your capturing gold right there. Yeah, and, and like like parts of it, you know, they, it. he he's like talking over the, uh, um, he's talking over the, the sequences where you know Mick Jagger is talking to the producer, and you know they're going back and forth uh, about the beat and whatnot. You know, and he inserts that dumb. I don't even know. I couldn't even tell what it was. I was trying to look up um, where Sometimes the quotes. Sounded like from. it was just pornography, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it was like it was like an ero- uh, uh, a Marxist-Leninist uh, erotic fiction, <laughs> like <laughs> whatever it was. It was a total waste of my time. Yeah, uh, it's so, it's so frustrating. Again, like that's what that's what I found this experience most. Uh, it was just it was just frustrating. I feel like also with like, you know, again, we don't, you know, I'm sounding like some sort of like conventionalist here, but it's like one other camera in the studio. That's all you need. <laughs> one other camera. Yeah. You can get more of a rhythm into these sort of things. There's so much more interesting uh, footage you can have. I mean. He had two, two cameras in that sequence with, uh, with Eve democracy, but oh, he didn't, so, yeah, he, he didn't switch to the other one. He, he just showed it <sighs> on camera. <laughs> Oh my god! God damn! Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just so like, like imagine if, um, imagine if someone conventional made this movie. You know what I mean? Like, like how much better this movie would be? Like it, it might be. The thing is, it's like a boring person made it. They would just know, like, just get out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's what. That's what great documentary filmmakers. You know, like, I just imagine like. Um, two years later, you know, the, the, um, Maisel's brothers filmed the Altamont concert and like all the behind the scenes stuff of that. And you see like the guy get stabbed and all, on all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I just imagine yeah. if they, like, if they sucked like Godard and they were just like throwing <laughs> garbage into it when, when it's, to me, it's like one of the greatest time capsules of 50 years ago, just seeing the way, you know, people in 1969 talk to each other and the way just they're hanging out, let alone the amazing historic footage of you know the stones playing at altamont and all that transpired there yeah um you know there's so many i don't know it's like the the blueprint is there for him. i mean I, that film was made later but i don't know you don't you don't need to be a genius to understand when you know you're filming something great and just get out of the way of it yeah um, i guess i so i was reading about his the reason he wanted to make this movie was because he moved to London so that he can make a, a movie about abortion. Uh, but instead, because that wasn't relevant at the time, he mm-hmm. <laughs> instead was like, okay, well I'll stay in London as long as I can make a movie with the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. And, <laughs> and the Beatles said no, obviously mm-hmm. because they're, they're smart. Um, but, but I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's it's so frustrating. I feel like he has he has like an extreme narcissism about him, I would say. Um that is never more evident than than in this movie. You know, like even even yeah. Breathless has like you can tell that he sort of admires uh people in Breathless, you know, he admires mm-hmm. former f- previous filmmakers and whatnot. Um mm-hmm. In this movie, it seems like he he is just so far 
uh, is so in love with his own ideas. You know, he is just he just cannot get his get his own ideas away from you know from the subject of this movie which is the rolling stones like how much (laughs) how much cooler do you have to be (laughs) i was thinking about how he 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 did that also with um he made a short film uh, where he interviewed woody allen one time and i was thinking like oh okay it's just godard interviewing woody allen how could you screw that up that would just be interesting you know woody allen in like the 70s and even that he does. He like. He basically like YTPs it. Like he basically. <laughs> he's like editing Woody, like freeze framing and stuff, and like flipping it really? backwards. So he he was doing weird editing stuff in it rather than again just showing the interview. And um, I mean, it's like oh wow, so innovative. But I feel but like do you, do you think he sort of has a disdain for for conventional documentaries or something? Like what is what's well, his yeah, problem? He has a disdain for conventional film frankly, even conventional language. I mean, that's sort of what his, seems like his thesis has been in the last few years, which is that this is like, the, the film was called Goodbye to Language. He sort of is like, you know, we've, the the language has has lost its ability to actually communicate things and that sort of thing. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> that seems like that's his idea. I feel like, you know, when was um when was when did high school come out? Was that nineteen sixty seven? Wiseman? Yeah. Uh sixty eight, I think. Oh, okay. So yeah, so it would have been around that this time. I mm-hmm. feel like if he had seen that movie, um it, maybe it wouldn't have changed anything, but it, it, it might have given him a better idea of how to conduct this this type of film. I I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I, it seems like he can't help himself from just doing these sort of odd adding these odd ticks into the film i i i haven't seen anything by him that isn't maybe does my like to i i'm about to watch my life to live again for the class so i'll i could get back to you on that but i don't i didn't feel like that film had as many kind of weird idiosyncrasies i guess i remember Um, enjoying it although um i think it's definitely his best movie um yeah have you seen like contempt or um no, I haven't seen that or or, or band apart or uh, masculine uh, feminine. No, I haven't seen those. Masculine feminine is a little bit more experimental, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But I I feel like my life to live is it was interesting to me because it had a conventional at at the very least it had sort of a conventional story. You know, you you see sort of the a fall from grace in some ways. You know, mm-hmm. there's one character. I guess in in the same way um, as or in a, in a similar way as uh, Michelle in Breathless, there's a character who who has sort of a fall from grace. Mm-hmm. Although in Breathless, now that I'm thinking about it, he that happens in the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. and he spends the yeah, entire movie yeah, yeah. kind of futzing around, yeah, and not doing anything. It's not super interesting. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to be to make the mistake of sounding that uh, making us sound like we we just demand films to follow a formula or that sort of thing, but I just think of you know, uh, two weeks ago, you guys did Playtime, and yeah. I just watched that. That movie came out, you know, a year before Sympathy for the Devil, and that film to me is far more audacious in, in in terms of how it's experimenting with film form, and it's exhilarating and it's absolutely wonderful. You know, it's perfectly you could it's perfectly um, feasible to break the rules of of film, but to do it in just such a unadventurous way is just 
I don't know. And is for, there anything we? Oh, go ahead. And for what too? You know, like for what in this movie? It was it was yeah. for absolutely nothing. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything? Is there anything we like about the particularly the the uh, the vignettes, the the manifestos and stuff? Yeah. Well, I will say. Um, you know, I did. I, I found that sequence in the bookstore at the very least um, entertaining. You know, I liked when they were kind of cutting back uh, where he was like the kids were like slapping the the two malice, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, captives or whatever. It, it was. Uh-huh. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, uh-huh. And and I I actually did quite enjoy the last um, sequence, although I'm not. I'm not sure what it says necessarily. On the beach? Or, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was cool. I'm not sure necessarily what it w- was trying to say or what it was about, um, but I found it interesting, and I I found the movement as well as sort of the, um, you know, I I found kind of the. Well, okay, I I guess I do kind of understand what he's trying to say in in some ways. You know, he's thinking about. Um, film as being, you know, his own films being sort of uh, uh, trampled by maybe ideology or trampled by this other movement that is seemingly more important, you know, um, mm. than than his own folly of of just plain filmmaking. I guess that's kind of what I would come to in terms of my interpretation of that last sequence. Um, although. What I found interesting about it was just the look of it and the aesthetic of it. I found was oh yeah, I, I think my favorite shot of the movie was was when she lifts up on the mm-hmm. crane. That was really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's just like a little moment, but it's yeah, de- definitely just a great, just visually a cool moment. Um, I don't know. I'd be curious how the ending really plays out without the without the song, the way the producers added it in but yeah i'd be i'd be um, interested to see sort of the the changes or the you know the raw film um apparently he he got into a fist fight did you hear about that yes i did he went to the premiere he 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 uh he he tried to like punch out the producer on the stage and he said i'll show the film out in the parking lot but it was like raining so only like eight people left the theater (laughs) and then he accused the audience of being a bunch of like uh I, i don't know uh, fascist or something and then and then I th- yeah and also when he got into the fight with the guy i think another guy came up to try and intervene and godard tried to punch him too and then the guy just the guy was like an ex-military guy <laughs> and just like just like doffed him off the stage basically um but yeah that sounds like something that should have been in the uh, Godard Mon Amour. That's amazing. Yeah, that would that actually would have been funny, as well as I mean, I guess that that movie is a little bit more um, fixed in its in its time period. It, it like takes place mm-hmm. within a week, right, or something. Mm-hmm. It's like very um, sort of short in its time period. But um, you should make it into a TV show where it just shows Godard making every one of his terrible films that, that kind the rest of, of his career. I almost feel like that would be funny, although the only people who could make that into a TV show would be like people who like and respect Godard. So I, I don't think it's going to happen in the way that we no. uh, want it to. <laughs> people don't. People got mad about Godard Montemore, man. People were really, they took it really personally. I, it's very strange. I Here's what I do want to ask you, actually. I think we could probably yeah. deduce something Maybe I'm not sure, but uh-huh. 
we seem to be the minority in this, uh, in our circles of disliking Godard films, right? I, I don't know. I don't know if that's really true or it's just film like academia is so like the film academia makes it seem like everyone, there are people liking Godard, but if you actually talk to just like regular people or even just regular, regular, you know, cinephiles, I don't think like, I remember when that first time I was on the film set, remember I asked like the whole crew (laughs) if they like Godard. I think one person kind of sort of was like, yeah, you know, and most people are like, no, Godard sucks, you know? And, uh, so what, what I was going to ask you, I guess is like, what are the, what are the justifications? Cause I've only heard sort of, um, I've heard very feeling arguments, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've, I've heard like, oh, he just has such an aesthetic to him, you know, like that's, that's basically the extent mm-hmm. of the, the defense well, of Godard that yeah. I've heard. The stylishness of the early movies is definitely a big part of it. I think, especially if I think you, you grew up through that time, mm-hmm. um, I think you, you, the sort of, um, radically different, um, way of making movies, was something that I think made a big impact on people. Um, and also the movies, I don't know, they, they, even Breathless, I don't know, it feels cool. If I feel like if I was like getting into film, I wanted to seem kind of like, mm-hmm. like it feels like a film that you feel cool liking the film, I guess. <laughs> um, but on top of that, I think also, at least for myself, when I used to get into movies when I was younger, when I was getting into serious movies when I was younger, I used to watch a lot of movies where if, if there was a lot of dialogue or a lot of like like extended scenes like the ones in this movie, the manifestos or whatever, I would sort of not understand it, but in my brain I would chalk it away to saying like, oh, it must be, this movie has so much to say. There's so much kind of going on and, you know, it's just, it's it's filled, it's filled with ideas. I think that's probably the phrase I would have used <laughs> as a 14 year old. Right, right. And I don't want to accuse like every Godard fan of being like a, having the intellect of a 14 year old. But I think in some ways you can watch these movies and there's so much you can glean from it in terms of interpretation. I think that's also what just applies to a lot of movies. A lot of the way people watch movies tends to be, um, I don't know. I, I I think people sort of resist. No, they sort of tend to fall into liking what everyone else likes. They tend to fall into kind of um, liking what makes them feel cool. Like that's sort of why. I mean, I, the whole phenomenon of of Clint Eastwood is is a great illustration of that because there's people who sort of have like rejected Eastwood because. He's like boomer filmmaker and he's, you know, <laughs> oh, it's like, oh, he just makes dad films. He's a Republican. And then it's gone so far around that now he's so like out of the establishment that that the people like the the, the socialists on Twitter who like Godard really like Clint Eastwood because it, it's like this sort of rebellious. Thing. <laughs> so it's, it's this weird. And that, that applies to when you watch all these movies, you know, I'm sure there are people who really liked, you know. And I don't want to just keep calling out like Little Women and all these movies I didn't like from the last (laughs) year. I watched tons of movies, but it definitely feels like there are movies where the artist is someone people go in expecting to respect, you know, Mm -hmm. something like if I mean, Parasite is something like that. And that I mean, that's a genuinely good movie. But 
um, someone like Bong, you feel cool liking Bong. You feel cool liking Greta Gerwig. But something like Ford v. Ferrari, not so much. It feels like a movie for your grandpa. Um, <laughs> even though, I mean, I think James Mangold is, uh, well, I wouldn't know if he's better than Bong, but he's a better filmmaker than Greta Gerwig, certainly. And um, Or like Waves, you know, like Waves was one of our favorites of... 2019. Yeah. Well, Waves is a weird example because I think Waves is something that could have been anointed either way. Like, I think it's sort of yeah. like people who, it's not like people control the discourse. It's not like a puppetry, but, but they're sort of, there are tastemakers out there. There are popular people. And it's like, if people decide, who, the people they look to decide that the movie is something that's really good, then everyone else kind of just falls in line because I think Something as sincere as Waves or or also maybe Ford v. Ferrari or Clint's movies, those can be accepted or they can be rejected as corny or over the top. Waves, you know, it's it's so melodramatic, you could easily just sort of dismiss it. Um, but I would say it's more melodramatic than, you know, Gerwig's movies or other people who, mm-hmm. who are perfectly respected. Um, I don't know, this is very roundabout from Godard, but I think... Um, I don't know. I don't know. And people, I don't want to just dismiss people. I'm sure there are people who get stuff out of it and they, they enjoy just the, I think some people just enjoy the playfulness of it. I had a friend who sort of his argument about art was if some, if it's different, anything that's different automatically is, is great. Like if it was never seen before. And that's why he, he, how he talked about uh, John Cage's 433, which is a, if you don't know, it's a symphony that is four minutes and 33 seconds of silence. And um, I mean, it's, it's an interesting sort of experiment in, in the definitions of, of what music even is. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of I, I, I resist that, even though I think that's probably a pretty unpopular thing to resist. The idea that 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 the new is inherently good. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's 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 much m- I don't know. For me, it's much more desirable to to delineate between something being never been done before, something like you know Koyana Scotsi or something like Playtime, uh, versus something like I don't know. I mean, if I um, I don't know if I made a movie where you know it was a great movie, and then in the middle of it, I just filmed like my bowel movement. You know, that would be new. <laughs> and actually, this movie reminded me a lot. I've been I thought of that idea for many years, of like. If the Tree of Life, if Terrence Malick made the Tree of Life and then he inserted uh, 10 seconds of his own bowel movement into the middle of that movie, would the film still be a masterpiece? <laughs> and I'd sort of be like, I guess so, because everything on every, all sides of the bowel movement are masterful. <laughs> and that's sort of what Sympathy for the Devil is, because it's, it's like, <laughs> except, it's except the bowel movement is like two thirds of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, but, I, I don't know, because I... I have faulted movies for much less, um, if that makes sense. Not, I guess, not less mm-hmm. than a bowel movement. But you know, like, if, <laughs> yes, if, yes. If, I, I faulted movies for you know for ending poorly or ending on a weird note or sort of being um, inconclusive in parts or you know some characters, especially conve- more conventional movies. I guess um, mm-hmm. you know a lot of times you. Something like Mandy, right? Um, This is maybe a good example. Mandy is kind of boring for like the first third of the movie and it just gets like awesome. Uh, And so like, (laughs) so it's, it's a, 
it's a strange movie because it's one that I look back on like really fondly uh, and that I love, mm-hmm. but I kind of understand mm-hmm. there's, there's sequences that are really not for everybody and that are kind mm-hmm. of like dull, you know? So like, mm-hmm. I get that. Sure. Um, but that's a movie where I'm like, yeah, I still, I don't care. You know, like, I don't care that, that like a lot of the movie is kind of a little bit boring for the most part, I'm just having a, a, a wild time watching Nicolas Cage, you know, <laughs> right, right. Uh, go crazy on right. the screen, you know? So, so like, so I guess that's an example of what you're talking about, but, but that is a less conventional movie in that way. And so for more, for more conventional movies, maybe there's a, a deeper level of scrutiny in some ways, you know, there's a, there's a little bit more of, you have to be more precise in what you're doing. Um, well, you're hitting a formula. You have to, I mean, that that's, I think critiquing a movie, like a superhero movie or like a, you know, a action movie or something, you know, it's about hitting certain beats. It's about, you know, it's not about deviating. I mean, you can deviate from it, but, but generally you're, you're rating something just based on how, how well it, it, it hits, hits the marks it needs to, makes you care about the characters, gives you an emotional investment, you know, looks okay, whatever, you know. But, um, you know, something like this, you, you throw those kind of, that, that rubric out the window a little bit. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how other people sort of judge movies. To me, I, I'm, I'm sort of maybe a little bit of a simpleton. Like, I, I sort of judge the movies I watch just based on how, interested in them i am like Mm -hmm. how if i'm just bored am i bored by it or not (laughs) you know sometimes i'll watch something that's just like really garbage whether it's like some weird experimental movie um you know like like i saw a movie by laurie anderson one time that was just like very strange but just compelling you know Uh, or or uh, terrence malick's movies are a good example of that his non-tree of life movies where you know I don't really care that much about what's going on screen, but you're just kind of like, wow, look at him go. And you know, it's, you're, you're seeing the world through his eyes. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it's trashy conventional movies, like something like Ma, where it's like, in many ways, it's not super a good movie, but I was utterly delighted watching it. <laughs> um, but, but stuff like this. And, and then it's sort of like, I, based on that reaction, then I go, why was I bored? And why was this movie, you know, this movie, Sympathy for the Devil, is kind of like Hard Day's Night in some ways. I mean, not completely, but, you know, and why does one work better than the other? And I kind of work from there. Um, I don't know. I don't know about you. But. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's hard to judge a movie like this um, at all. You know, like, it's hard to give this movie any, any sort of... Um, critique or or rating or whatever and maybe that's kind of the point i guess it's like a deflection tactic um well, yeah, it's a deflection <laughs> tactic because he could just say oh you don't get it yeah i don't yeah. i for me i don't find it hard like if i if i'm which i may write about this movie i don't think it's it won't be hard for me to criticize it because no, it's no, pretty no. clear what's good and what isn't and um i mean people have different subjective opinions on what makes a movie good but i think if you're I think, as we've said many times, if if you're if you have something that great in front of you and you're you're larding it with uncreative, 
uninteresting garbage like he does for for literally like 50 i thought for, at the beginning when he just had little shots of her running around the city i was like oh is it just gonna be like a little interstitials you know <laughs> i wish cute. yeah um if it was just if it was just his girlfriend running around and graffitiing cars and whatever i would say oh, okay fine i could live with that but, but she needs no, to be is... she needs what did you say she needs to be hit shot or something oh yeah <laughs> well i don't know graffitiing people's cars i like what this is a terrible thing to do. I, but I mean, I agree. Yeah, that's that's it's pretty bad. I don't know why I turn into like Ronald Reagan when I talk <laughs> about that sort of thing. But I like, I don't know, just it, it, except for like the people who graffiti, you know, like abandoned buildings or or, or graffiti art. I'm just like. And this was kind of the, the weakest form of graffiti, too. It was just like black spray paint on. Uh, of like really terrible puns as you said or p- terrible crossword puzzles <laughs> uh, that's right why i want to know whether like whose car that was like did some guy just walk out and he had a swastika on his car <laughs> now like oh my god that yeah really no exactly suck. that's terrible yeah like why would why would you do that to just a normal man in london you know he's just trying to know. get to work and now he said his car says u.s equals swastika <laughs> Like, yeah. What? Well, I hope it was. I hope it was someone in the crew or something. I doubt I it. I. I come on. You think Godard is gonna give <laughs> that much thought and effort into into doing this? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about this wonderful film? I'm glad that Godard's presence um, didn't irrevocably change the course of musical history. Um, as it p- potentially could have and almost did. <laughs> Wait, when did Gimme Shelter come out? Uh, that would have been um, two years later. Or no, 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 sorry. Two uh, t- two years earlier. It was in... Um, oh, okay. No, 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 it says it's 69. Oh, oh, okay. It, that okay, was so, for... So Godard could have, could have prevented Jimmy Shelter from ever being created. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Imagine if... <laughs> Imagine if the Godard filming this movie killed the Rolling Stones. Like, wouldn't that wouldn't that just be? A th- and then he lived. You know, he lived and and went on to make just terrible, tasteless movies. Oh but he ended up killing the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I do feel I, I I don't I do never wish ill upon you know a human being for being just a bad artist. But it does depress me that that Godard has lived to be 90 and Truffaut only made it to like 52 or something like that just makes me, I don't know. I wish they could have grown old and continued to snipe at each other as elderly men. That would have been been funny. Yeah. Write, write little articles about each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They'd both be guardian journalists. (laughs) I really wish Godard was on Twitter. I feel like his sort of sensibility works. It would almost work more for the internet and for a little, like, I, I feel like he would be a good, I can't say this word poster. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I, um, he does have like a trollish, um, a trollish sensibility. Yeah, but that's that's what I, I I kind of think. I think you're almost right. He he feels like I don't know. I don't want to say he feels like an internet filmmaker, but like I I I almost think some of his ideas could work on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like in yeah, little this, short like videos. The YT the YTP thing sort of seems like. YouTube poop. It sounds like seems like something. His sensibility, the yeah, way he edits yeah. sound, is like that. Um, but I, I, I almost wish he made like little ten minute or less videos, like on his mm-hmm. own YouTube channel. Like I think that might be interesting. 
Um, I think I'll, yeah, also you'd have more, I would have more patience for that. I'd just say, oh, that's kind of fun, you know? Exactly. It's like yeah. when Lynch, you know, films like a B for, for five minutes, you know? <laughs> if you did it for a whole movie, I'd say, like, be hate it, but it's fun as a little short. And uh, I think yeah. I would definitely follow him on Twitter because you can tell you, you, oh, you know, sure. he would be like just the most <laughs> vaguely anti-Semitic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It would just be delightful. <laughs> he would like he would. Like I said, he would be basically a Guardian journalist. Like I don't this. know, by the way, if he's actually anti-Semitic. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> Guardian journalist. I don't know about that. He, he's it's pretty establishment. Yeah, that's what I mean. He was he was left. I don't wing. want to accuse Godard of being actually anti-Semitic. I don't know this for sure or anything. He was. Now Ken Loach just got in trouble for that. Like like all left wingers in in the sixties, they just came up to be the establishment in in today's world. So <laughs> if you say so, Cameron. My friend Art also said something about, about, he said, back then, all the cool kids thought they were Maoists. <laughs> he said, by then, even Mao didn't even believe in peasant-based revolutions. <laughs> he said, Godard that, was a diehard, though. That was a very, um, it's true, actually, that, that was a very, like, 60s French intellectual thing. You know, like it's a, it was after the Soviet Union was like you couldn't you couldn't really support them anymore because, you know, the NKVD. Uh, right. <laughs> and then, you know, they they didn't realize how many more deaths Mao actually caused. So, you know, mm-hmm. you sort of wonder with with those sort of people like people nowadays who 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 kind of fall into fringe, really any kind of fringe ideology, whether it's sort of like the people back then were, you know. They they didn't literally support the things Mao was doing, but it was sort of like a cool way to feel rebellious yeah, yeah, and exactly. to, you know uh, rage against the system and that sort of thing. And being anti-establishment and for sure. Yeah, I sometimes wonder about some of my older friends. Like, would I have you know would I have looked on them if I was alive in the '60s with the same disdain? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do some of the, my contemporaries now, and now it's like people get older and they you know end up being just nice people and they they abandon those sort of kind of crazy ideologies but anyway maybe it has something to do with getting old although that's kind of just made godard cranky more than anything godard has been yeah he's he's one of the few who has not um he has not been softened in fact he i would say quite the opposite like actually scorsese is a great example of that where scorsese to me if you look at interviews with him in the 70s he seems like like a really I mean, he seems like a smart guy, and obviously he was a great artist. But but he seems like a guy I wouldn't want to be friends with. And I, <laughs> he looks like it seems like a guy. If you met in film school, you'd be like, oh man. But you know, he's grown into you know one of the most lovable, uh, delightful figures in the entire world of film. Well, that was during his coke years, you know. So I mean, mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But in any case, I think we're done with this movie. I'm personally done with this movie. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, it was, I'm glad to have glad watched to watch it. it. I, yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, like I, I really enjoyed the parts where you know it's the the documentary parts of this movie. I wish it was only that. Maybe they should release. I the, the, here's what they should do. I I don't know who owns this movie or who owns the rights to this movie or whatever, mm-hmm. or if they have any Abco, more. I guess, or if they have any more footage or anything, they should yeah. take all of the footage that that Godard shot and make it into like a super compilation or something. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I've, I know I felt like watching this movie because I even fe- I felt like some of the long takes, as cool as they were, even sometimes in the studio, I was getting a little bored. Like it's just a little bit. Um, 
laborious, I guess. Yeah. There's some. By the way, I completely forgot to mention like my favorite moment in the movie, um, which he screws up because he 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 throws in a shot of of Anne uh, writing <laughs> marks on a graffiti. But but even so, it's when he he's singing the close to final version of it and it goes around and then there's the group of them yeah. singing the woo woos and then just seeing them sing the woo woos and that sort of thing and the sort of almost like awkwardness of it of seeing yeah, it isolated yeah, yeah. like that was really like really cool let alone just you know such an iconic you know memorable part of that song um great great little moment um but yeah i would love to see I would love, you know, Peter Jackson, he took all the footage, like hours and hours of footage that, that Michael Lindsay Hogg shot for Let It Be, the filming of Let It Be. And, um, you know, he just edited it into a movie that's coming out later this year. Mm. And frankly, I would I would love if someone got all the footage of Sympathy for the Devil and, um, you know, anyone, Peter Jackson, Frederick Wiseman. <laughs> Uh, Spike Lee, you know, like there's so many great documentary filmmakers who who would do something really beautiful. With or this, even I, I feel like Scorsese could do a good job with this. You know? Oh, like, yeah, of course. Yeah, he, no, no. Of course, Scorsese. Yeah. You know, and he he just did that. You saw that Bob Dylan movie, right? Yeah, the Bob Dylan thing I was mixed about because it was it was BS. Like there's a lot of it he just made up. And yeah, I don't know. I'm also just not as crazy about Dylan. Well, I don't know. I like Dylan. OK, but. Um, but I'd love for him to just, if, if Scorsese just did, got that footage and did something with it, he probably never would because I, I, I'm guessing Scorsese is probably like an originalist. Yeah. When it comes to stuff, he, but. And he, he probably likes Godard at, for, at some point too. <laughs> I wonder if he does. I, I want, people are not going to say they don't like Godard, you know, but I really would be curious what a lot of people. I, th- I think he does. I think you can see some of Godard's imprint on some of his movies, especially his earlier mm. films. No, no, of course, the earlier, I mean, everyone was inspired by those, but like in terms of how Godard has evolved, yeah, um, you know, people are not going to come out and be mean and say, oh my God, this guy sucks. But um, I mean, I'm always, very, I'm very curious what actually what like um, Clint, Clint's relationship is with, because they, I don't know if they're friends, but I've seen Godard, Godard really respects Eastwood, which is mm. so weird to think because Eastwood is it's one of the more conventional like Eastwood is not like pushing the bounds of cinema into experimental ways, but there's a wonderful clip where Godard presents him an award. And I just, when I saw that, I was just imagining and laughing to myself, Clint Eastwood sitting down and watching <laughs> any of Godard's movies and just being like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, 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 to me, it seems I'm, I would guess most people though. I don't know. Everyone, everyone I've asked that, like my, my film teacher didn't like Godard very much and, um, Mick doesn't really, at least post the sixties. So, mm-hmm. um, well, and even e- Ebert ripped into his more recent movies too. So I don't know, maybe he'll come back around. I'll no, probably not. I doubt but. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll always see, that's the thing is I'll always go see what he makes because he's interesting. He's one of the most, you know, important filmmakers uh, as much as it pains me to say a little bit, but but I think you had you would have to say he's one of the most important filmmakers alive. Probably, um, yeah. So I don't know. We should do our full watch every Godard movie camera. Ugh, that sounds tedious and absolutely uninteresting. I'm not sure that I want to ever. So <laughs> maybe maybe I'll watch all of them and then I'll pick out the ones that are most fun. I think but, it, yeah, something like that. Like. I don't know. I'm reminded of my Ozu class where where I um, 
I was only passively interested in Ozu before, and then I, I then I really became interested in him mm-hmm. as the class, be, you know, went along. Because um, we basically, we almost watched every movie of his. Uh, so, oh, wow. you know, it was something where where I came to, to enjoy his style and came to enjoy, you know, I came to like him. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that would happen with Godard. I'm, I'm sure it not, but... <laughs> I don't know. Not those later movies. Yeah. Um, well, Cameron, thanks for having me. Yeah. On this thanks for hosting the show. I hear I'm sort of hosting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there was a little bit of a change up this week. I know, of course, you know, um, uh, we said that we were going to do Godard Baltimore uh, for the commentary, but that is not going to happen at this point. And instead, they're met with my voice. Yes. What a horrifying. Instead, change up. Um, Juzo and Isaac are most likely going to record next week, although, you know, subject to change, but it could be fun. I think it'll be interesting. We're not sure what movie yet, but yes. I'll figure something out. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry for the, um, uh, we're not doing a vote this week or this month. Um, just things got in the way, uh, but maybe we'll do two votes next, or maybe we'll do all votes next month. I don't know. I'll have to think about (laughs) it. (laughs) Mm, Interesting. Well, I guess that's. Am I supposed to end the show? I don't know what. Yeah, the close show. it out. <laughs> well, I have no. There's no. Also, the you guys close with. I don't understand this. Not to be rude or anything, but but you cl- you close the show with uh, promoting the Patreon and ECFS and everything, and then the music plays, and then Isaac, in the same voice, he he tells you about the same information so it seems a little redundant it's but, it's but called positive reinforcement juzo sounds like propaganda to me but wow. but uh, in any case uh, <laughs> check out this program uh, program on what is it ecfs productions at patreon donate money you could donate up to the thousand dollar level i'm not sure if they've mentioned on there but if you're so willing you could donate massive heaps of money to this program you could it would be great that would be a beautiful thing yeah um other than that, uh, what else would I mention? No, that's listen to my podcast on YouTube. <laughs> Just look up my name, Juzo Greenwood Podcast. Um, you don't have to do that because who cares? It's me and Cameron talking about stuff. Um, and Kazu sometimes. Yeah, occasionally Kazu. Um, anything else you're supposed to say at the end? No, that's all. That, thank you for doing that. That was uh, very kind of you. I was going to if you oh. didn't. <laughs> oh, whatever. I'll just find saying but it. But they will see you next week. I will not be here next week. Um, so you guys get to, to be graced with Jesus' voice again. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast executive produced by Darren O'Neill. If you want your name read in the credits of the show, you can check us out at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions to achieve this status. Thank you, Darren, for the support. And for the rest of you, we appreciate your support as well. Have a good one.